The title of the talk today is Sparkler. <clears throat> and one of my main questions with this talk is if we can feel into together <clears throat> how we could really know that it is indispensable for us, it is what we most need more than water and air, to know our life as spiritual, to know that those are not two different things, life and spiritual. And sometimes we know that and sometimes we don't. Really, it really strikes me how often my son Gyan, when he sees a person or an animal, <clears throat> he might say the name, especially if it's a chicken. He'll say chicken, and then he'll say I, like I, the thing that sees. <laughs> Sometimes he'll say chicken, I, mouth. And it's like he can see him. They have a face too that person, I could really meet them. That's what I'm taking it to mean. That person was really there. <laughs> or I saw that that chicken is, is me, is like me. It has eyes, it has a mouth. <clears throat> and I think that <clears throat> it's troublesome to have eyes in our culture where seeing and judging are thought to be one thing. That's what we assume we are to do with our eyes. And I would love for us to feel in a relaxed way during this talk and also during this week, what else eyes might, um, what else might happen with eyes? What else do eyes do? <clears throat> One of, my, one of my teachers talks about eyes, mouth. Two of my teachers talk about eyes and mouth. There was actually one Zen elder brother of ours who went on a long journey and spent many years trying to find out what really matters. <clears throat> trying really hard to see what really is. <clears throat> and to express what he found. He said, eyes, nose, mouth. <laughs> Sometimes being in this room together, we can feel the commonalities like eyes and nose and mouth. We can feel how this is not my only face. The only one that I can't see <laughs> is not my only face. The only face that I can only see in the mirror <laughs> is not my only face. 
So I was saying how one of my teachers talks about the eyes and the mouth and how the eyes are like the more light and even invisible part of us. They represent that. So instead of only talking about how the body might represent our sexual unconscious or something like that, or our um, dark unconscious, we can see how there might be things in our body that express and give a window to what is unconscious in us that is not dark, that is light. that is wider than one head, that is uncountable. And the mouth, this teacher says, represents what we can weigh, what could weigh on us, what could be heavy. And they they love to talk about how naturally what could be heavy can lift itself up as a smile. And then they really are specific about the smile. Of course, they don't mean all of those other smiles, but that smile that just happens. So what else do eyes do? If anyone is also cooking something along these lines, please feel free to say so. What do eyes do other than judge? They behold. Beautiful. Could you hear that? Any other words? About our eyes. Reflect. Reflect. Can you say more? Just because we could take that word in several different ways. Can literally see other images in someone's eyes, mm-hmm. trees and clouds, literal reflection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you dare to tiptoe into another? You don't have to. There's other levels too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Any other word? Receive. Receive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. communicate a lot of things and they do seem to communicate truth as well. In India they talk about different ways that a teacher can talk and one is with words and one is with touch as we were fumbling with yesterday and one is with eyes. So here we are trying to, we could say, be in touch with our inner voice 
but this could help us understand what we mean by inner voice. We don't necessarily mean a voice in words. We could be open to so many kinds of communication. And maybe we don't even necessarily mean inner in a literal way. So why do people use that term, inner voice, and why does it kind of make sense to use that term, inner voice? If anyone has anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the heart can recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. It can be um, really deep, deeply helpful to notice why we don't. Uh, we could use three words from Meister Eckhart, who was a German mystic in the 13th century. <clears throat> He says, endure, embody, and remember. Endure, remember, and embody. So what would help us and what keeps us from enduring, which we can take in two ways, with the inner voice or spark, what would help us and what stops us from remembering, which we can take very that word also very deeply, not just like those cartoons where the woman says, oh, I forgot to have a baby when she's in menopause. Mm-hmm. And embody, which is the one we often forget in our head culture. When I hear the word endure, It makes me think of like running a long distance or something and probably um, competing. (laughs) There go the dogs running. Probably trying to get there first. Probably um, pushing myself in different ways and some of those ways maybe not um, very smart. But I'd like to salvage the word endure. (laughs) And especially the way it seems to come in in Eckhart. He talks about enduring also the moments of the brightness. As I was speaking about yesterday, sometimes the challenge for us is to endure the brightness that we are. To manage to accept how wide our being is how immeasurably wide. But we would like, I think, in our, in, in our imagination of what that might be like to endure such a wonderful thing, we might probably like to separate that, the thinking of those mystics over there who are enduring all of those sparks and me down here with my thoughts. We might like to separate that endurance of the bright from that endurance of the continuity of loving this life, of of knowing what we know. 
So what I see is that we give up on ourselves so, so soon. And maybe we're, we're more kind of, um, we have a little more space and arabesque in certain areas of our lives. And there are certain areas that we just, we collapse before anything's even happened. The slightest suggestion that we might need to talk in a group, for example. And we, we collapse, and maybe we hate that we collapse, and maybe somewhere we love it. And so what kind of love is there? If we could just like, kind of get through where we want to blame ourselves and think that we're wrong, for collapsing and for loving that we collapse. If we could just see how it happened that way, that was our conditioning, that was from our life experience. With culture, with family, with so many things. It so happened that there is collapsing in each of us, especially with certain subjects, certain Raising us, raisings of the eyebrow or whatever, body postures that we might see out of the corner of our eye. We've been taught to try to beat the spark out. And we've been taught and we feel when we get to that point, we will die if we don't guard ourselves, that we don't, if we don't stop anyone from seeing the spark, we will die. That's what we've been taught. So if we feel, if you feel trembling, if you feel like you'd rather be anywhere else, if you feel like it's worse than the end of the world, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the survival instinct got kind of wired into the bargain that we were dealt and somewhere agreed to. I'm not saying that we were wrong to agree to. It's when you're a child and it's like love. You get love if you do this. So the child at least knows it wants love. (laughs) We get a lot of complication around that. But sometimes when we're back with our sparkle, more clearly, we could feel how we can know that we need love and that we need the sparkle where love comes from even more than any expression of love. So does that give a sense of of this word endurance, not as a... um, kind of heavy, athletic thing? I hope. Yes or no? Eckhart talks about a sparkle, and he says we can, we can see the sparkle in even our, what he calls our natural intelligence, which he just means 
like our logical mind. He doesn't mean what we might mean by that today. <clears throat> we might use that term for something deeper. But he just means like common sense, logical mind helping us, but with its limitations. <clears throat> but even in, in, in that thinking mind that we have, and that we think many times that we think we are that, we know there's a sparkle in there. We know that the mind couldn't move without the sparkle. It's just sometimes hard to look through the kind of screen of what the mind is saying to what it's really saying. But sometimes if we really relate to our thinking mind as if it is a child, so we don't need to threaten it to make it quiet, that works for a short time, and then wait till the mind becomes an adolescent. There will be a backlash. Knowing that really what is called for is love, okay, but in what form? And we find our ways. <clears throat> and we could learn how to read what the mind is really saying by noticing not so much what it's saying, but what it's kind of hovering around. So, for example, it's kind of a sad story with a happy ending. There was a child that was, that was injured, that had a broken leg when it was really little. In this country, in this century, not like a Zen story 500 years ago. <laughs> and this, these things happen probably every day. And someone who luckily knew a lot about um, body and energy came to help work with the leg that was broken <clears throat> with very simple touch. Because the parents had gone to all these doctors and they said that what would have to be is let the both legs grow, one will grow longer than the other, and then cut off the longer one so that it fits the shorter one. So that's the kind of way that we usually come to a solution. That's where the natural intelligence can get to. <laughs> and then if we come to the sparkly, more sparkly, even more sparkly intelligence, it might just say, what if I just hold the leg and feel into the bone and let it find its harmony, which it did. So, and then the doctor said, oh, these things happen. <laughs> There's no sign of any break here. So we, so as the woman was working with the child, <clears throat> to get to know each other, they were playing with some blocks and some figures. It was a boy, so they weren't allowed to call it dolls. It has to be called figures. <laughs> and the, the child built a kind of tower that looked very similar to the staircase that, where the fall had happened. And then he put the little boy on top of the staircase and let him fall down the stairs. <laughs> so somehow the mind does hover around and use symbols for what's really important. And we can learn to read that. <clears throat> it's a little bit like being receptive to what a dream might mean. <clears throat> it's a little bit like taking all of our experience as precious, but it's just learning how to read 
the experience without the judging. Because if we think that we're going to read our experience and we're too simplistic with it rather than simple, then we'll think how wrong we are when we're starting to have a day where things seem to be going wrong instead of inviting that chaos as, as the beginning of something new and fresh. We'll think that when things come out the way we planned, that we're in our flow. When things happen the way we like, then we're in harmony. And that really blocks out um, the best of us, the best intelligence in us. And it comes back to this trained blindness. This trained fear of that sparkle. So I'd like to think about and experience seeing as a power that goes in more than one direction. And for me, I noticed that the power to be seen is the challenge. Whereas for other people, it might be more of the power to let something happen coming out of eyes. But the power to be seen, to let oneself be seen, or to let something be seen without showing anything. So not for show. The show gets in the way of being seen. And I find it can be a a helpful way of playing with having eyes. Maybe to start with something less threatening than people, maybe some trees or the sky or something. And just to feel that we are exposed. To feel also, which is slightly different, the receptivity of the eyes. To let the world in and to know that it comes in. So there's a lovely line by Rilke, translated by Stephen Mitchell. O shooting star that fell into my eyes and through my body, not to forget you, to endure. I'll just read the same thing again. O shooting star that fell into my eyes and through my body. And then there's a dash and a colon. (laughs) And then he says, not to forget you, period. To endure, period. So Eckhart says, it hides, yet it shows. 
this sparkle. <clears throat> what that gives us is the opportunity to, to know and to let ourselves know, let ourselves know that we know. that all of our experience expresses the sparkle. And whatever in our experience we might focus on, whether we would call it darkness or brightness, is an expression of the sparkle. And so, like if we can just keep not stopping that there, and so we don't need to hold anything back. We could sometimes feel we need not to hold anything back, but that's for each person to feel, not for anyone else to tell us. If someone else tells me, you need to not hold back, <laughs> I certainly will. But if I can relax enough to feel my actual need not to hold back, then I start to feel what is really meant by radical rest or deep rest. Where I get to be in love with the sparkle no matter what. By not holding back, I don't only mean <clears throat> that it would be great if we let the best in us come out. That is also really most important, that we let the best in us come out in our own way, which takes time to find what is my own way. What is really, really not copying anyone? What is really not copying? <laughs> but also not holding back what we think of as dark darkle <laughs> and this especially can only come from my own inspiration, not from someone forcing me to. My own inspiration means that I dare to experience what I think of as dark, wholly. And then I can feel two things at least, <laughs> at least two things. One is that that kind of um, dependable sparkle is behind the scenes no matter what. If we think back to those horrible times, whatever they were for you last week, this morning, <laughs> 
10 years ago or whatever. The sparkle was also here with you. Sometimes it stands out more when it's a difficult time. Sometimes it's dimmed. But we can also feel the specific spark of that specific, if we could find another word than darkness, and also not darkle. (laughs) That specific defensiveness or rage, terror, insecurity. That specific smallness. So in the same way that we can learn to read through what the thinking mind is saying to what it's really saying, to what's really important, to what needs to be addressed, we can also feel into difficult emotions and find what we need that's in there what we cannot throw away for very long. And if what we need is just the sparkle, so some part of the spark that's even in what we really hate, and I would almost venture to say the more we hate it, the more sparkle is there. So that's one way of reading through the content of the emotion to what maybe is really being communicated. It has a lot to do with the force of the emotion, the power of the emotion. It's not always easy to feel how powerful is an emotion. It's not easy to measure in the realm of emotion. Partly because very powerful emotion will go underground, will hide but show, will do what it can not to be seen by showing something else. So this might be where we could go into the word remember that Eckhart mentioned, Meister Eckhart. Endure, remember, embody. Sometimes I think those are all the same word, or they all mean the same thing. But kind of different emphasis. The way I would describe remember is kind of like enduring freshness. Enduring that waking up and not being an expert. Enduring waking up. And I don't mean only like big waking up, but just waking up to the fact that 
that feeling of how can I be such and such years old and never have noticed that? Whatever it may be. What it feels like to have my foot on the ground. What my own voice sounds like. That knot in my shoulder. So, so, so many things. What it's like to just let the bird song come through my body. What I find is that that letting the freshness <clears throat> happen to us is remembrance in the way of remembering, like bringing back together, which leads us to embody. So once we're back together, then the gesture that comes from there is an embodiment. We could say, like, the Indian word avatar for a second. <laughs> That's God in human form. So sometimes we come to meditation practice, which is a tricky phrase. There's what we can practice and then there's meditation that comes. So we do what we can. We do the practice that we can that calls to us. We might think of remembering as <clears throat> a mental remembering, first of all. Where we're very likely to understand that if we forget something, like, oh, I forgot my socks. I left them at the house, or I left them at the hall, or forgot to wash my bowl or whatever. We might think that forgetting is wrong if we're trying to practice remembering. But in a way, <laughs> this freshness, this waking up to freshness, doesn't really mind if we're mentally focused on socks or mentally focused on the spine or whatever. So that's why when we're giving different techniques, it's not so, so important in our view what you're focusing on, but how you're focusing, how you're letting your energy be drawn together, how you're letting remembering happen. If it can happen with the patience that is required of being woken up to freshness, maybe just a few times a day for a while and then maybe a little bit more often and then maybe not at all for a month, and oh my God, and then a little more, and then we, can't, we know that we can't live without freshness. And even then, forgetting is not wrong. Mental forgetting will happen. That, that equipment is made, luckily, to sometimes forget. So for 
a remembrance that's enduring and that allows embodiment. We do need to let our energy be gathered together, not specifically not through the filter of the mind. We can start there. The mind can help us at first. Oh yeah, we're, we're in a meditation hall. And I don't know what meditation is yet, but I feel to lie down. And look at the ceiling. And we'll start with that. It's often easier lying down to forget in a positive way that mental reference point, that remembering is through the mind. We can forget that more easily when we're lying down. And there could be a little more space in the moments that we do remember oh, I was thinking about that, here I am, to feel grateful for that faculty that is not in the thinking mind that says, oh, here I am. Before we start to appraise the situation and say, oh, I was spaced out for so long, I hope no one noticed. I hope that my thoughts weren't invading other people's meditations, etc. I hope I'm not being seen. I hope I'm not being seen in their minds through my thoughts. An easy example of what I mean by freshness would be any time that you may have been taking a nap or sleeping at night and you just happen to wake up and there was maybe just a feeling of very light space, maybe just for a half second or maybe a few seconds before you remembered who you think you are. what you needed to do and what you're supposed to think about different things. And there tends to be a kind of breeziness and kindness in the atmosphere. And so if we attend more to the quality of our effort and less to what we're paying attention to, then we are looking for that without forcing it to happen, that freshness, lightness, space, breeze, not the kindness that we know, but we just happen to forget (laughs) 
to think badly of someone or to put them in a box. Oh, that's the garbage collector or that's the truck driver or that's the noisy person or that's that person who's too good or whatever. So there's, there's a lot of forgetting that we're very much allowed in this remembrance. And then the part about embodying. It can be as simple as just that feeling of wonder that we do have eyes. And in the same way that eyes can be at least a two-way kind of crossroads. We could see ourselves as at least a two-way crossroads where it's not just that we are so aware of how much help we need to be more spiritual, more kind, etc. It's not just that we are aware of what color vibrations come in It's not just that we could be aware of kind of defending our ground as a spiritual practitioner. It's one of the biggest dangers with spiritual practice is that we would then, in our desperation, but not willing to recognize that it is simply a need to experience our life as spiritual. We don't want to recognize that, but we feel it. So in our desperation, someone says, this works. And so we just take the box and drink it. And then only later we realize that it was laundry detergent. Actually, someone who came to Papaji was so obsessed with purification that he purposely ate laundry soap. if we could read our desperation read through the pressure to push out and grab something and do something with it and feel the need that's in there and in a way feel the goodness of needing And when we can feel the goodness of needing to experience our life as spiritual, I'm sorry that these words are really pale to speak about what we're talking about. To be able to touch the spark without being burned by being inside the spark, that's what we need. And we know that we need that.
when we're inside the spark because we know we need it to be there. <laughs> we know that it's a need that is not needy. It's not demanding. And it's not one way. <clears throat> because we are not only in here. We're not only in here. We're not only in here. <laughs> we can also recognize <clears throat> perhaps with a shock the need of our life for us to be present in it to embody it in it <laughs> to embody our life in our life and we could feel those as equal needs my personal need for that and that we can say impersonal need for me the same way that we could feel like because gratefulness and appreciation is is just a kind of really direct road when we appreciate i mean this is a really beautiful bowl so it's really easy to appreciate this specific bowl as itself it even has us in there picture of us we could feel how in the very specificness that we can appreciate is the sparkle it doesn't need to be the generic bowl it can't be the generic bowl and then we can apply that to us we can only be specifically ourselves we can't be generically kind generically compassionate generically wise generically buddha awake just means awake awakened and so that is really fun when we can do you know what i mean how fun it can be <laughs> but So if you want to just look at this because then you can see that the picture is not perfect. Thank goodness. You can look at this too. <laughs> so there's not too much anticipation. You can look at this too. then we can let ourselves be so specifically that exact embodiment of what has no body and we could feel how it wants to be in a body needs to when i say needs to <clears throat> if we could really <clears throat> like if we would hear two tones and try to really differentiate between these two very very close tones neediness and need need is just simple like we we can be simple about the fact that we need to breathe for the body to continue most of us can and it's also simple that water is good and food is good sleeping is pretty good <clears throat> 
moving is also good for the body to stay alive. So just the simple kind of fact, what I mean by need is the simple fact that it just works so much better when we hang out with the sparkle, no matter what. Which from there, appreciation can happen for also things that we think are wrong. Like her face is crooked, that picture. <laughs> <Not you. laughs> or, okay, my face, what is all the things that I could say that I don't like? If we could somehow, it's so hard in this culture, but if we could somehow also like curve that appreciation around also for our own body. That simple. And that can be a battle sometimes because there is a lot of pressure towards homogeneity. homogeneity. But if we can really like at least use our natural intelligence in the way Eckhart talks about it to really think through Okay, so if everyone then were that anorexic with that kind of hair, etc., <clears throat> we can add all the spiritual qualities. It's exactly the same mindset. So kind, so wise, <clears throat> transmitting so much through her eyes, etc. <clears throat> <clears throat> if we were all like that, would any of us want to be in here <laughs> being like that? From that mindset, always there would be then another pound to lose and another way to be more kind that someone else didn't measure up to. And so if we can see through that sickness of thinking that we know how to measure, and then we could see through even more to see how do we need to measure Or do we need, like from the inside, do I need to appreciate? Is that what seems to serve life? In my experience. I'd just like to finish by saying again this quotation from Meister Eckhart where he says, the sparkle, it hides yet it shows. And T.S. Eliot said, we had the experience, but I would say we have the experience. He says, we had the experience but missed the meaning. And I would say we have the experience and miss the meaning. which we could take as, oh, how stupid we are, missing the meaning. Or we could take as, we have the experience that we need. We never do not have that experience that we need. It's about how we are with our experience. 
how we can be really inside it. We're allowed to follow our nose right into it, inside it. And not to fear that going inside it is going to leave us separate. To notice what leaves us separate. It's not going in there. It's looking with those judging eyes. Mixing the judging with the seeing. And what does happen when we allow ourselves to be natural in that way? To go up against the brunt of that wave that says, we, you're going to die. You're going to die if you do that. You're going to die if you go in there. <laughs> you're going to die if you sparkle. You're going to die if you admit that there's a spark in that anger. You're going to die if you admit that you love everyone, even if you don't like everyone. When we happen to kind of stumble or fall in there, because it, even though there's this endurance and this <laughs> kind of big choppy wave of you're going to die if you cross this line, it's more by kind of falling accidentally in than by trying to get in there or recovering our innocence, innocent way of following our nose because <clears throat> we, we didn't mention the nose since the Zen guy we had the eyes and the mouth what's the nose for? to follow it <laughs> it's right between the spiritual and the body We happen to notice that we are inside the sparkle, the spark, the brightness, what we love most. And we can feel how these cells need that. And we can feel how everything needs these cells drinking that. And we can feel just as much gratitude towards these cells as towards any bowl, anybody. And something does come out of our eyes at that point. But if we would try to show that, we just choke on the salt water of that wave. So it can help to kind of feel how we flip between relating to our experience from a feeling that there must be something wrong somewhere and then being feeling from the inside our experience, whatever it may be, and feeling the wholeness of that.
And feeling both is part of enduring, remembering, and embodying. It really refines our, our ability to smell our way, to shine, to smile. It can be hard to kind of stand up and let that shining happen through you. What we could say, let seeing happen through you. Let life see itself from inside and out with your eyes. But please do let yourself find and feel your willingness. Stand up and let shining happen. And let shining happen. <laughs>